Hey guys, welcome back to It's a Theater Thing. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've joined us before, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, It's a Theater Thing is a podcast made for and by theater fans. I'm Tracy Danoff, and as usual, I'm joined by my fellow theater fan, Aaron Carl. Hey, Aaron. Well, hello there. Hey, how's it going? So far, so good, but we I've, I've got some things on my mind that have happened this week. So have I, and you know, we're going to talk about what's on our mind, and after that, we're going to talk about a really popular movie that's on Netflix right now called Bathtubs Over Broadway. I'm really excited to talk about this one because it's really fun. And then we're going to talk to Tom Gallagher, who's a friend of mine from Toronto, Canada. He recently spent some time in London and saw three shows and he's going to give us his thoughts on those shows. And then finally we're going to end with our Beyond the Board segment to let you know what our picks are for Broadway adjacent activities. So first off, okay Aaron, what's on your mind? The biggest thing that happened last week, uh, the threat to Alex Brightman and possibly other cast members of Beetlejuice Alex took to Twitter, and this is what he had to say. Words matter. Words cause anxiety. Words cause fear. Words are real. And then he has a kind of screen grab of more text, and that says, For both shows tonight and tomorrow, I will not be stage dooring. In what seems like a horrendously ironic timing after posting about fandoms versus obsessions, I recently received a small threat slash warning to not come out to the stage door tonight. I don't take these things lightly, and nor should anybody. Words mean things when they are put in particular orders. Words matter. Sorry to those who won't get to say hello today or tonight. Think before you say things. Really think. And... And he's he's since tweeted about, like, just flat out kind of taking a step back from social media. It hurts me and it makes me angry at the same time that people would even threaten another person. Like, what mentality do you have to be in in order to think that that's a good idea? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of racking my brain wondering why in the world would anyone threaten Alex Brightman of all people? I mean, well, really, why would anyone threaten anyone on Broadway? It just makes no sense to me. But, you know, Alex seems to be a good guy. He's incredibly talented. I got to see Beetlejuice in D.C. and thought he was genius. I don't understand this. If it's somebody who has an obsession with the show, is it somebody who objects to the material? I I just don't know. I I do not know either. Luckily, um, in the comment section, you know, the story kind of spread throughout uh, multiple Facebook groups. The big big news sources had, of of theater, I should say, the big news sources of theater had stories written on it. And in the comments, they actually said that the person has been dealt with. So that's good. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it is going to, this particular act is going to change stage storing for everybody. Right. Because this is going to get spread to other shows. Like other shows are going to be like, 
we need to take precautions now. Right. And, you know, I mean, I hate that whole saying, you know, well, now you've ruined it for everyone. But really, now you've ruined it for everyone because I'm sure stage doors are going to be much tighter now. And if this keeps going in a bad direction, then we may not have stage door opportunities anymore. It's a really sad thing. Yeah, they are literally trying to go to work. Right. That's all they're trying to do. Right. And now they have to face death threats. Right. And more details to come on this, more feelings to come on this. Yes. I'll tell you something. It makes me mad, though. (laughs) <laughs> it really makes me mad. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, um, there, there's, there is anger. Yes, yes. So hopefully we'll hear a little more about what happened. Uh, we may not ever hear the real story, but as long as everyone at Beetlejuice is safe, that's what's important. So now... Exactly. Yeah. So now this story caught my attention that was in the news. It seems that an employee of the Kennedy Center which is right in my backyard, is suing because he was forced to sign over a Hamilton poster. The touring production of Hamilton appeared at the Kennedy Center last year, and I actually did get to see that it was fabulous. And I guess this employee went around and got signatures. And from what I understand, not only was the, uh, I guess it was a window card. They keep referring to it as poster, but I'm guessing it's a window card. And yes, folks, there is a difference, okay? <laughs> and you should know that if you're a theater person, okay? Not trying it's to like, shame you, but know the difference. It's like spelling it E-R versus R-E. Right. Or the difference between a play and a musical. There's a difference. Anyway, <laughs> From what I understand, an employee of the Kennedy Center took possession of that poster and it's now hanging on the wall in his office. That's what the the local news was reporting. So, like I said, this gentleman is suing for a million dollars. And my question is, what's my window card worth? Because I have all the original cast member signatures. So I'm guessing if that one is worth a million, mine must be worth like two at the very least. I have a little flyer that I picked up in the lobby of the public theater that I got autographed by like nine out of 10 of the cast. Ah. So yeah, that I'm, I'm kind of concerned now if a, if a touring window card is worth a million, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, that's a little interesting, little interesting. Do I need to call my insurance agent? But, (laughs) but on a more serious note, is this appropriate? Now I don't have, that experience um but Aaron you do as far as dealing yeah. with a theater that way yeah I've worked at uh quite a few venues uh different sizes different uh varieties of venues here in the greater St. Louis area and we would actually in your employment contract it would say either you are not allowed to accept autographs you are not allowed to ask for photos or anything like that um, or it would say, if it's offered, you can accept. If it's offered, you can accept, but then you have to, like, 
turn it in and that's part of your tips or something. It was, I had, like I said, a a wide variety of different levels. And Mm -hmm. depending on the tour that was coming in, the shows that were coming in, the bands that were coming in, it would change. It would kind of depend on that particular artist too, like kind of what they wanted to offer or what they wanted to be available. Mm -hmm. So I am really intrigued by this because I would think that a venue as big as the Kennedy Center would have had that already established. So it would have been either the employee could have the poster that he went and got autographed or he could not. You know, that would either be an A or B situation that another employee took it and put it in their own office. That intrigues me. That's what's getting me. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And the other interesting thing about this is the Daily Beast is reporting that I guess he was given the poster. He had he had had asked for the poster and was promised the poster. And then he arranged to have it signed by the cast. After the poster was signed, the Kennedy Center management asked for the poster back or reportedly asked for it back. And he he complied. But then allegedly the official who gave him the poster then sent an email to other Kennedy Center employees saying that this gentleman should not be allowed backstage uh, due to complaints from managers and cast members. And that's another reason why this gentleman is suing. He says this is libelous. Now, you know, I, I my, my feelings are mixed about this because part of me feels like, oh, let, let the guy have the, the poster, the window card or whatever the heck it is. Is it really <laughs> that much of a, of a deal? On the other hand, I think we've all, as theater fans, all known those people. And actually, this kind of goes back to the Alex Brightman story. We've all known those theater fans that maybe go a step too far. And if he was making a pain of himself, like going backstage and bothering people while they were trying to work, I can also understand them saying, hey, he can't be backstage anymore. This is too distracting. So, and, and that, yeah, that's a strong possibility. That may be where the Kennedy Center is coming from. They don't want to encourage this. Yeah. Like maybe they had the, like, yes, you can get autographs, like that's fine. But again, maybe this particular employee was taking it a step too far. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, a, that's a very good possibility. So well, yeah, I guess we'll find out how this definitely how this keeping yeah, keeping guess, our eyes on that story. Yes, yes, and I wish I could be a fly on the wall during that hearing. That would be interesting. <laughs> yes, definitely. So the next mm-hmm. thing that really bothered Aaron and I, and. I don't know, especially me. I was just mad. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys, but I was just really mad. Is the casting notice for the film version of The Prom. This bothered me so much. Now, if you haven't seen the article, it's up on uh, Playbill.com. And it lists Meryl Streep, James Corden, Ariana Grande, Nicole Kidman, and I believe also Andrew Rannells, yes, Andrew Rannells, that they're going to be part of this film. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I, this breaks my heart because, first of all, I mean, okay, not that you're listening to this, but sorry, Billy Eichner, I know you want Meryl Streep to be in everything. <laughs> okay. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Meryl Streep, 
But is it the new rule that Meryl Streep has to be in every new musical that comes out? You know, I mean, every new filmed musical, because that's what it seems like. It, it, you know, she was in Mamma Mia. She was in Into the Woods. Now she's going to be in The Prom. Also, I think Beth Level earned that job. She may not be a name. And I understand throwing in a name here or there. But she really earned that job. And I feel it's unfair that she doesn't get this role. Also, this is the part that really made me mad. James Corden. I love James Corden. I think he's so entertaining. I love carpool karaoke. But he's going to be playing Barry. Now, my fear is, is this going to be overdone and be offensive to the LGBT community? Is he, are they going to rewrite the script and make him straight? It, it makes me wonder, like, weren't there, I mean, <laughs> I think we know there are more than enough talented members of the LGBT community that could fill that role, including Brooks, who is currently playing it on Broadway. <laughs> I, yes, I 100% agree with you on that sense. Representation matters. Right. And that is a big fear is it could just get watered down. Ryan Murphy, I love him, and he does do extreme and strong topics, but he came to the Broadway theater and stood on the stage and announced, like, hey, I'm doing a film version of this. Right. You'd think that that would lead him to be like, here's my cast, here's my people that I can trust with this very important story. Right. My my biggest hope is that he does use the original Broadway cast. Not all the parts have been named, so he could use some fillers. But if there's a, you know, in the finale, if they come in and they're students at the school or, you know, it, it, it kind of stinks that then they would be regulated back to background actors, but at least they would be involved then. Yeah. I it I guess so, but I just don't I don't know, I'm not feeling this now. I was very, very excited and now my excitement is pretty much gone and it's really sad that that you know, that he would that he would go this route. And I mean, Ryan Murphy of all people I thought would really Oh, sorry guys, that's that's uh, Sandy, excuse me, that's Sandy the theater dog barking. <laughs> she probably sees a squirrel outside, so sorry guys. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just thought better of Ryan Murphy. I think this is incredibly disappointing and I hate to say it, it really affected my mood this morning. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't think, you know, yeah. we just talked about not taking this stuff too seriously, but I, I went to work out today and I walked in and the girl who behind the counter who knows me very well was like, what's wrong? Cool. <laughs> and I was like, you're not going to believe what they're doing to the prom. <laughs> and she, she very patiently Aww. listened to me because she is a theater person too. So she understands my pain, but <laughs> I was like, no. It's 
It's it's a theater thing. You connected. You needed to vent, and she was there for you. Yes, yes. She's very good about that. I appreciate it. Um, So So I am practicing cautious optimism with this. I am ready for it to be a huge success for, for many reasons, but I'm also ready for it to go sideways. Yeah. Uh, well, you're actually way nicer than me anyway, which which I have said to many people in our acquaintance. <laughs> that Aaron is like way nicer than me. I'm not so optimistic. <laughs> but when it comes out, I will watch it and I will be honest if I enjoy it. I'm going to try and go in with an open mind. But come on, Ryan Murphy. I mean, really, you know, give, yeah. give some other people a chance. Hopefully he's listening and paying attention to this because yeah. it was it was all in the comment section. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Ryan Murphy, if you're listening, love you, love Glee. Not loving this so much. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So a big topic of conversation in the theater Facebook groups that I'm in has been the movie Bathtubs Over Broadway. And I thought, what is this thing? So I said to Aaron, how would you feel about checking this out? Why don't we watch it and see what it's all about and let our listeners in on it? So both of us watched the movie. It's on Netflix. And just to give you a brief description, it's a really great documentary It features a gentleman named Steve Young, and Steve was a longtime writer for David Letterman, and that was a big shock for me. I don't know about you, Aaron, seeing the credit, the opening credits and saying executive produced by David Letterman. I was like, what? So so right there, that was a surprise. It took me a minute, but then I I did remember his voice and remembered his faces from different segments. I wasn't a huge Letterman fan, but I caught it often enough, like – when an actor or a band was performing or getting interviewed, I would watch it. So yeah, he he popped up just enough that he was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you're familiar." Yeah. So this gentleman, Steve Young, uh, one of his jobs was to hunt down records for a segment called "What's in Dave's Record Collection." And he just went to these little obscure shops and found the craziest records he could find. And he started finding these souvenir records for industrial musicals, which were basically musicals that were commissioned by big companies. They would put them on during their yearly or quarterly meeting. And it was like a big Broadway show. But the lyrics all had something to do with whatever they were selling or whatever they wanted their employees to learn. And it's really interesting, like the types of companies that utilize this, like Dog Chow, Purina Dog Chow was one. And, mm-hmm. and Ragu was another. So, Aaron, what do you think of the movie? I loved the the documentary. It was just so fascinating and well done. The details that I didn't even know. And that's kind of, we went on this journey with Steve because he kind of explained like exactly what you were saying, how he just like went into this record shop and was like, my bathroom, what song is this about? Like, what's, <laughs> what is going on? And he would play it and listen to it. And he started, as he listened to more, he's like, 
oh, this is fascinating. Like, I need to get more details about this. And, you know, and then some of his friends were like, well, you know, these are actually really big Broadway names. Yeah. The writers of Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Sheldon Harmick and Jerry Bach. Mm -hmm. And then... The writers of Cabaret in Chicago, John Kander and Fred Ebbs, Bob Fosse, Bob Newhart, Cheetah Rivera, all these people were involved in these industrial shows because it was a really good steady paycheck. That was really just an interesting take on entertainment at that time. You know, Martin Short was saying, it's Martin Short was involved in these, and he mm -hmm. was saying... Yeah, you know, it was, that was a job you wanted to get because it paid really well and you got to travel and it was fun. And Susan Stroman, Su Tony Award winning Susan Stroman <laughs> mm -hmm. was, was saying how she kind of developed some of her choreography chops by working on these shows. So in some ways you can look at it as like a, you know, a learning place for the theater community. There were mm -hmm. some people who kind of seemed to make their career doing that. And then you didn't really hear from them that much afterwards. But but Steve certainly knew them. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's um, that was one of my favorite scenes when he met uh, Sandy and Patty, who sang the song My Bathroom from The Bathrooms Are Coming, one of his favorite shows for I believe it was American Standards yes. uh, put on this show. And he's meeting them in the hotel lobby, and he's just like, oh, my God, Miss Sandra. And she's like, oh, sweetie, call me Sandy. And he's like, no. <laughs> um, I can't. You're awesome. And, yeah, uh, it, it was just stunning to see how um, how much writing and how much detail went into these, just like a regular Broadway show. They had one uh, little detail that $3 million was used in industrial Yeah, it was $4 musicals. Million. Yeah, it was $4 million. Oh, four million. Yeah. Okay. So $4 million was used for industrial shows the same year that My Fair Lady opened on Broadway. And the budget for My Fair Lady was only $446,000. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. Maybe it was three million. I'd have to go back and look now that I think about it. But yeah, I, you're right. It was it was either three or four, but yeah, yeah it was it was one yeah. of those. Um, and yeah. that just stunned me. I'm like, wow, that was so shocking. But then he says in another little segment, Steve says, you kind of understand why they needed musical interludes and and a show to put on at these conventions and these meetings because he's sitting there in the Library of Congress going over some of these, and it's just hours and hours of boring CEOs, CFOs lecturing on the numbers, the progress, the, you know, the downfall, the ups, all that. Yeah. And kind of boring, you yeah. know, so they, they wanted to zazz it up. Yes. So can I tell you my three favorite things about this movie? Yes. Okay. First one is he, Steve, interviewed Cheetah Rivera in Sardis. Love that. <laughs> Second thing, and maybe one of the biggest things, dancing spark plugs. How can you not love dancing spark plugs? Okay? Yes. I think this whole movie is worth watching for two moments. 
One, the dancing spark plugs, and two, the dancing bottles and cans. Okay? You can't get much better than that. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was one of my top moments when the choreographer is talking about that, and he's like, then they just fall down. And so I had to write that in. Yes, that was Susan Stroman. She was like, yeah, "Yeah, I thought it was funny, so we kept it in. (laughs) Yeah. Now, my my third favorite thing, and, and actually it's a little deeper uh goes a little deeper as you watch this movie and you see the progression of steve just do really in the beginning he's like many other collectors where he's really all about getting that that record that he doesn't have he wants to have every single piece of vinyl that was ever produced for an industrial musical and mm-hmm. you see him meeting up with fellow collectors. It's very interesting. You, you have one collector who was a member of the Dead Kennedys. Then there's another collector who was a drummer for the Germs. And you think, these guys are into the industrial musicals? Okay. And he knows all the songs by heart. But as the movie progresses, and you see him start to meet some of the people who actually wrote these musicals, who actually performed in these musicals. You can see how how excited he is and the pleasure he takes from it. And he even talks about how he never thought that he would be in a situation where he's become friends with these people and even been included in like personal family moments because of this passion that he has. And I just love seeing the passion that he had for for this genre. It was just, it did my heart good. He just was, like, you could see the happiness on his face. It was really lovely. Even though I don't know if I could sit through one of these <laughs> musicals, but, but it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I don't know. I may have to give Detroit Diesel uh <laughs> a, a moment. Give it give it a try. Because that looked fascinating, too. And that was one of his uh, favorites that he mentioned a few times. Well, I'm curious about Here Come the Bathrooms. <laughs> yes! The bathrooms are coming. The bathrooms are coming. Right. It was so adorable. I loved, um, right at the beginning, they interviewed uh, Steve's daughters. Yes. And they're like, yeah, we knew nobody outside of our house knew what the show was about. So we just kind of kept it to ourselves like we it was like an internal joke yes so it's such a fun documentary it's so well made and Mm -hmm. it also really spoke to me in terms of learning about our history our history of american entertainment i find that sometimes younger people that i've met And I shouldn't say, I shouldn't talk in broad strokes. I'm thinking of one person in particular that I know who has studied theater, but doesn't know the history. They want to be a performer, but they haven't taken the time to learn about what's gone on in the past. And this is just another way to learn. So I just love that. I love knowing that Florence Henderson used to be in these musicals. Yes. (laughs) Cheetah Rivera used to be in these musicals. Oh, my goodness. And I think it was uh, Sid Siegel, the writer that he met. And they were talking exactly about the, the history aspect of it and how these were really popular in the 50s, 60s, and 70s because that's when America was like, hey, you know, optimism, we're happy, we're rebuilding, this is awesome. 
And so, of course, that was, you'd want to throw a couple of jazz hands behind that and put on a big show. Yes, and they definitely had big shows. They have many clips from the shows, and some of them are really Broadway-worthy or kind of look Broadway-worthy, and even the talent. I mean, some is, you know, some of the talent's better than others, but but really, they were really, really entertaining. So mm-hmm. all you guys that are in my Facebook groups, thanks for the recommendation. It was super fun, super enjoyable, and if you haven't seen bathtubs over broadway i highly recommend it and as i said earlier you can find it on netflix so stick with us we're going to come back with tom gallagher and he's going to talk to us about what he saw in london hey guys so i am here with my very good friend tom gallagher hey tom Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So Tom has been a friend for about three years, maybe. maybe I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, we're talking to him all the way from Toronto, Canada. Tom and I met because of our mutual love of Come From Away. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yes. But I'm really excited to have him here today because Tom visited one of my favorite places on earth, London, and he recently saw three shows there. So I asked him to come on and talk to us about the shows that he saw in the West End. So Tom, why don't you tell us, I know you saw Mousetrap. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. You know, I thought, you know, we're going to London and we're seeing various other shows and musicals. I thought it'd be fun to do a, a straight play. And we thought, well, I had never seen The Mousetrap in all, you know, in my, in my, you know, vast number of years. And I thought, well, what better place to see it than, you know, right in the very city uh, of London itself. So we uh, got uh, second, I, I like to sit close too. So here we were, uh, second row and just got lost in this fabulous story. It's in the cutest theater as well. Uh, We can talk more about the actual theaters in London and how beautiful uh, they all are. Uh, But it was intimate. Um, uh, The cast was superb. Uh, They had a picture of the Queen when she was there in 1954 or 5. Just, you know, and still going (laughs) to this day. Yeah, I think it was the 26,000th performance or something close to it like that. It was uh, quite dramatic. Wow. So thumbs up on that. If you do get a chance, anybody, if you're in London, uh, it's it's a fairly inexpensive ticket as far as they go as well. So I would highly recommend it, I, I must say. And it's just classic uh, Agatha Christie, right? Absolutely. Everyone's a suspect until no one is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have to move on to this next one yes. because I'm super excited about All right. Tina. Because that's going to be coming to Broadway. So. And fasten your seatbelts for when it does arrive. If As soon as those tickets go on sale, I can't recommend strongly enough to book Get Them because it is a powerhouse. I can't remember having more fun in a theater than we did that night we saw Tina in the West End. I, and I kid you not, it was just on our feet. Uh, exhilarating, moving, powerful. Uh, a bio uh, musical for sure. Not really a jukebox, uh, even though, of course, her catalog is is highlighted. 
the the plot and the book and the story are so engaging that it, it really is about overcoming uh, uh, those terrible obstacles and the abuse that she endured to become this triumphant performer once again. So yeah, it's 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 awesome. And I hear Adrian Warren is amazing. I don't think that's the woman we saw okay. as the role of Tina. Again. Yes. I, and I'm embarrassed to say now, I, I didn't get that program, and I, I can't quite recall it, to be honest. But I, re, I would recognize Adrian's name, of course, and I'm not sure now if maybe she has been replaced, or maybe maybe Adrian's doing it on Broadway. Is that? Well, it's coming to Broadway, so my guess is she's already preparing for it. Yes. That's Okay, that's yeah. her connection into it. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm guess because the woman they have doing it in London is probably going to remain doing it there. She is. Yeah, she had been doing it in London for quite a while. So I am thinking maybe she left early. Oh, maybe then. Ah, okay. I wasn't sure about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, but this performance was, she really was channeling Tina. uh, And at every stage of her life, too. You know, of course, they had a little, a small girl playing her when she was a child. Uh, That's often the case. But uh, wow, she, uh, this was a young woman, just owned it. Uh, very, very strong. And, uh, you know, the set, uh, we can talk about all the different aspects of it. Uh, the setting, I don't think I've seen as many beautifully executed set changes and set decoration uh, as I did in Tina. There there had to be 40 different locations and see, and each one had a unique set. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah. wow. I don't know where they stored them all. I don't know where they stored them all backstage <laughs> or underneath. I just turned to my, my other half, Mark. I said, what? The, where where are they putting all this stuff? Because these theaters aren't big, right? They must have shows the theaters aren't big. No. So do you yeah. think that, let's say, I know when I was much younger, yeah. I saw the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, where it was a retelling of Tina Turner's life. Do you think that... Uh, it's a good companion piece or do you feel like maybe, oh, you know, you walk in thinking, oh, I've heard this story or, or is it exciting enough to keep people? Yes, to it? I emphatically say yes, it is. Now, I, I hadn't seen that movie. Uh, I still haven't seen uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining it pretty much is the same story, right? Because yes. uh, it's her life. But I think the staging and just the, the, the creative way in which they're, they're presenting this uh, is it's worth the price of admission alone and, and then some, to be, to be perfectly blunt. Uh, yeah, it, it was just took us into a whole other level. Uh, at, by the end, during the bows, where they reprise uh, Proud Mary, and the audience loses its mind. It, it is, uh, it, it's a, that's what got me so excited, because we were all a part of it at that point, and we were front row, very grateful to have, uh, those tickets, and so she uh, handed the mic to me, because I'm so tall, I'm six foot seven, so I was right there, because I was tall, and she was right there in front, she would share the mic during Proud Mary, or would throw it to me, which I couldn't believe she did. But I oh. uh, so Mark Mark says, well, there's your sort of your West End debut. I, I laughed. I, said, <laughs> I guess in some ways, maybe. Absolutely. You know, I had a friend once take me. Actually, twice I've been on more than twice. Now that I think about it, I've, I've stepped on a Broadway stage, and yes, I considered at that at Wicked and also yes. at Seussical. Um ah, Yeah, and right uh, yeah, there's there's two shows had something in common. Hi, Kevin Chamberlain. Um, (laughs) He's always been very kind to me. And um, 
the Lump Fontaine for the Adams Family when he was in the oh, Adams Family. Yeah, yeah, with Nathan Lane, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, oh. so I consider that my Broadway debut. So, yes, you know, I would say right that's on. your West right End on. debut. So Good. It's, it's so interesting because um, before I went to London for the first time about three years ago. Oh, beautiful. What did you see? It. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> so what didn't you see? Well, no, I only had time to see three shows. Oh, and wow. for the first two days, I with I was with friends, and okay. we went to see Phantom because my one friend had never even seen a Broadway show. So I said, "Okay, let's start out with Phantom." There you go. Yeah, you know, and we're in London. Yeah. You know, you got to see Phantom in London. A hundred percent. And it was wonderful, except for the people speaking Italian next uh, behind me oh, during the whole yeah. first. What act. is with the etiquette? I know. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah. But someone had said to me, "Don't expect the same kind of energy." when you go to the theater in the West End. And I didn't find that to be true because... Me neither. Yeah. I mean, now, I did see a show called The Go-Between, and I bought the ticket solely because uh, Michael Crawford was in it. Oh, wow. And it was his return to the stage after being ill. And he actually was wonderful. He sounded so lovely. The show itself was not strong. It, it, okay. The, the book wasn't good. It was just had a lot of problems. And the, the audience was very subdued. But then I saw Funny Girl. And let me tell you, people... Lucky were, you. Oh, it was wonderful. I didn't get to see Tracy. Sheridan Smith because she okay. was out. But wow. And the audience was going nuts. And I thought, what are, what are they talking about? You know, right? this is the same kind of energy I feel in any theater and you know yeah. any place i've been so um so that's so cool to hear that at tina it was just as enthusiastic it, it and in the, the next musical we're going to talk about in a few minutes uh even uh, more so uh, i'll uh, tell you about that in a second but yes when the lights went out it, it clearly people were there for a second or third time or more and they, the anticipation just, I, I just, it was electrifying. We all share, that's what the beautiful thing about live theater, right? We yes. all are in this moment together sharing something that is going to be unique, even though it runs eight times a week. Our performance our, is going to be unique to, you know, our experience that night in the theater in front of us and never to be repeated. And, and we just can't get enough of it. <laughs> that's true. And I have right? to say, some of my best moments, like thinking about my mom has since passed, but some of my yes. best moments oh, we're sorry. in the theater together of course know? so it's it's it means so much to me which is why i do this podcast right so you guys Beautiful. if you're yeah if you're a regular listener to this podcast then you know that i've been going out of my mind about six the musical yes. and i'm incredibly jealous of Tom. Ah. <laughs> well we're incredibly jealous um oh, he, that he got to see it in the west end tom Take it away. Tell us a little All right. bit. All right. Well, I spoke about fastening your seatbelts with Tina, and I think you probably need uh, two two lap belts and a shoulder uh, a shoulder strap or two for that one. And whenever you see it, because it is it is again, uh, it was the highlight. It was the highlight of our trip to the UK, uh, entertainment wise. Certainly, it, it's in a it's interesting because we you know when you're walking around the West End, you know our hotel was in Covent Garden, and we're you're walking past these theaters. And what I love about about them all is that they're just sort of tucked away on these little curvy streets and it's you know you you almost happen across them or discover them and that's what oh, oh for god that's the sake that's where that's what there's phantom or there's lame is or there's everyone's talking about jamie or harry potter 
and it, it's just so every around every corner there's a new surprise and uh it's beautiful so with six we almost didn't notice it because it doesn't have huge marquees there it's in a clubby kind of cabaret almost studio 54 downstairs kind of vibe uh to it uh so i said well no i recognize the the branding like they had the six and the purple and uh, the all the gold all around i went mark i said this this is it this is it right here so we had booked tickets back six months ago or as soon as we could because we knew we were going in may so again we were front row and uh when those lights went out i mark turned to me and he said what are we in for and because the room erupted tracy into not quite pandemonium that happened by the end but it just was on fire and uh we talked about it afterwards because so many people had been waiting to see this had listened to the cast the concept album the the cast recording and so on uh but it was their chance to finally finally see these women and the story in person and uh they knew far more about it at that point than i think i did uh because the anticipation was just uh, it was all bubbling up it would people just erupted and uh, for for good reason <laughs> yeah so did you think that there was a queen maybe there was a queen that was the strongest as far as wow. performance wise that is a tough 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 question um yeah, because as you know, the concept, of course, is you know they're each vying for you know the the the, the ultimate story, right? The ultimate uh, love that they had for Henry VIII, or uh, you know, as a fun contest. Um, wow! Oh wow! I would be hard, hard. Anne Boleyn uh, was a lot of fun. I have to say, okay. in the sea, Jean Seymour, um, she, she was another outstanding moment uh, for from her. But you know, I think because it is truly such an ensemble piece that I I just got so drawn into the beauty of how their stories meshed that it didn't matter to me. And I think ultimately that's the plot twist at the end, how it doesn't really matter. And I don't want to give anything away because there is a beautiful book that goes along with it. Like you don't realize when you listen to those seven, eight songs that there is as much more to it. There's quite a story, even though it's like 90 minutes, a hundred minutes, mm -hmm. uh, there, there is a fair bit of book that goes along with it. And uh, some nice surprises in there and funny, uh, we did not realize how hilarious and witty. I mean, the lyrics stand for themselves, right? Yes. You, you know well. Yes. Well, yes. the humor and the wit and the just the banter between these women. I mean, it goes from bitchy to loving <laughs> to supportive. Uh, you 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 name it. Uh, they've they've got it. So uh, yeah, very very smart writing and oh. uh, beautiful music. Beautiful music. Yeah, I when I listened to that. Uh, the first time I listened to the cast recording, I thought, boy, these people have done their homework. I mean, right? you know, obviously they live in England. They probably know the history better than I do. But I will say I am a bit of an Anglophile. So, oh, uh, nice. <laughs> and I had just watched from maybe the 10th time oh. um, the documentary about that. I don't know if you're familiar with Lucy Worsley. She's a no. very well-known historian in England. And she does these amazing documentaries that are very, I don't want to say dumbed down because they're not dumbed down, but okay. very palatable. Like you, it's, they're not dry and You're drawn right, out. Right. And she had yeah, done, yeah, yeah, she had done a series about the wives of Henry VIII. And there were some things, very subtle things that she talked about in the documentary that they included in this, in the, in the lyrics. Oh, and oh I thought, very good. 
Oh, wow. So they're really, like, on point here. <laughs> yes. So what's the name of the documentary again? I'm oh, sorry, my I gosh. You know what? I'll have to find it. That's okay. I'll look it <laughs> but, up. Yeah, I'm sure the, it won't take a second. Yeah, no the, worries. The historian, her name is Lucy Worsley. Oh, okay. Fair enough. She's this adorable little cherub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. I think she has a pretty, like, huge position as far as I, she's has some big historical job and yes. made this into like a whole she's written books she recently came out with a book about queen victoria oh okay she did uh, a series that they've been showing here on public television nice um, where they're recreating the wedding of uh victoria and albert so oh how yeah, cool yeah it's really yeah. really cool i will look for that yes yeah. it's really oh, they're man. really enjoyable but the f Good. getting back to six yes yeah yes. the they you know the fact that they really like delved into the small you know small little um yep. points in the, yes. the stories i mean it's pretty amazing because they yeah. could have made it a very superficial thing and, and you know if you look at it you think okay a lot of this music at least i don't know how you took it but a lot of the music seems like club music to me <laughs> it is very pop yes yeah it's very pop uh, pop driven, mm -hmm. but it works. It yeah. really works. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because how clever the lyrics are, and and the tunes are very catchy. You know, I'll I'll pop it on in the car. We're you know open the windows and down we go, and you know an hour later we're we're having a ball. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's on constant rotation with Hades Town when I'm at the gym. <laughs> oh, exactly. Right? I mean, it's great for working out, guys. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it it's is. such a great show and. Yeah, lyrically, it's just really well done. Um, but I was going to say, like, you could take it on a superficial level and just say, oh, this is like a fun, poppy type of concert-like yes. musical. But then when you really listen to it, you're really learning something if you really yes. listen to yes. the lyrics. So. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm just looking at the program here uh, in my hands, and uh, it's interesting because uh, the producers have done a, a great job describing the history of its incarnations, obviously before the West End and now mm -hmm. Chicago and, and beyond, let's hope. Uh, but they've, they've broken down each of the characters, um, and number one being Catherine of Aragon, of course, yes. and number two, Anne Boleyn, and they have all her, her stats and her, her, her you know, some quotations and, and whatnot, uh, but also like her perspective of her relationship like summarized so it's kind of a nice handy guide uh, mm -hmm. or a souvenir in this case uh, to, re to relive it all uh, afterwards but they've done a great job that's one thing that surprised me a little bit about the West End is that they don't have like playbills or, or uh, programs that they just give you with the cast list and the uh, order of numbers and so on so uh, but this was four pounds I mean it was, oh, it was no, yeah. no big deal it wasn't a lot so I was happy to get it uh, so especially now you know, to be able to relive it again with oh, you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so right. I do have a question to ask you. Because, okay. Um, so Six right now is playing in Chicago and they've extended it. I mean, it's yes. doing amazingly well. Right on. I would love to get to Chicago. I don't know that I can, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll make it to New York. Yes. Yes. So just in the videos that I've seen on YouTube and listening yes. to the show and knowing roughly what the concept is, my thought was if they brought it to New York, it would 
probably do better in a uh, off-Broadway house. Yes. Is that what you think, too? Yes, yeah. for exactly the same reasons why I think it works so well in this cabaret club theater in, in London. Uh, because it, it is a concert staging uh, of it. Uh, it's very sort of punk, sort of industrial rock uh, fencing um uh, metal uh, behind uh, behind them as a backdrop where the mm-hmm. band again all of women beautiful uh, beautiful uh, band playing uh, there so I think that would get lost in a larger Broadway house uh, so just off the top of my head yeah uh, certainly any of the off Broadway uh, theaters because well look at Hamilton like when it right. played it, it builds its following uh, there and maybe then transfer but I don't know it, because if, if they're covering costs and making a profit and to have a, a fewer attendees because of the location it just means it can you know, can run longer right right yeah and I'm all for that I'm yeah. I'm I'm so loving that if you look on some of the um theater you know Facebook groups that people yeah. start, the kids are starting to cosplay. Is it yes. the Queens, which is so they are. fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and for good reason. I mean, the costumes are, I, I, when I was there uh, during the bows, they uh, allowed filming. They said, okay, everybody, we know you're dying to, to, to take a shot. So I like, take out your cameras and enjoy. So the whole reprise at the end of the countdown, like five minutes left, one minute, which we were laughing our heads off at, uh, we could all film. Uh, so I did, of course, and uh, two, there was a, a lady beside us, and the uh, two performers took their phones onto the stage and filmed um, or broadcast whatever they were doing, whatever at the live, maybe it was Facebook Live, uh, so they took over their phones and were having a lot of fun with them. I thought, how fun would that be to have that on your phone, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's pretty. it's a pretty scarce... Um set that's just the band yes. and yeah setting sort of industrial uh fencing uh, with some very cool led lights uh embedded into it so i won't give anything away about that uh lighting is brilliant uh, because at times well i'm not sure if you saw well in fact i know you did uh, on britain's <laughs> got talent they they, uh, they they did the opening number yes so that was very much lighting wise what it's like in the theater actually almost perfectly the same so yeah some very very tight uh very focused uh, lighting effects which are brilliant uh so yeah it's uh it, it's perfect. I think uh, they've they've hit the nail right on the head, uh, and with the band right there too. Uh, back to sorry costumes. Yeah, so the set was very very basic. Uh, costumes. I can see why cosplay is, uh, is 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 happening now because each character is not only unique, uh, reflects her own decade, uh, if not century, uh, just and personality. And, mm. uh, and the color schemes that they've chosen, you know, the three uh, first wives are a different color hue than the final three. And it's just interesting how all these stories match and, uh, and are represented physically and creatively on stage. Very cool. Well, it yeah. sounds like it's a great show, and now I'm even more jealous than I was before. <laughs> oh, good. And you know what? I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to suggest that it might be playing Toronto before it plays New York. Uh, that's just my gut. Uh, I know David Mervish. He's the oh, – I know, don't know him 
well personally, but I, I sort of know how he operates. And uh, they're always on the edge, on the cusp, right? And they are searching high and low for things. So I am sure, as I speak, that there is a production that is in talks anyway for the rights to do it here in Toronto. Maybe it might be the show that will end up in New York because often that's, that happens here first. We got uh, Life and Times of the Temptations, A Too Proud, uh, Come From Away, like you in Washington. Right. It played here for six weeks and then after DC's run and then on to Toronto. Um, and this fall, again, sorry to get off topic, uh, the girl from the North Country uh, came from London. It's it's uh, part of the Mervis 2019-2020 season, and then heading to you. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. You, you so get all six, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> six is going to happen, and uh, so maybe a trip to Toronto is in uh, in the works for you. I, I think it needs to be, yes. Ah! <laughs> because right I'm on. slightly obsessed. <laughs> yes. uh, well, once you see it, it'll, it'll yeah. be a, a lifelong uh, love of yes. yours, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yes. Tom, thank you so much for giving us an update on your London experience. I'm oh, going my to gosh, go you're back. Welcome. Before I let you go, I know you run this fabulous Facebook group. Would you tell us a little bit about oh. that? Well, thank you. Thank you for asking. Yes, uh, it's called Ultimate Broadway. Uh, I know that's a, kind of a, a bit of a, of a boastful full title, but I, I thought about it. I thought, well, no, we, we really want it to be uh, a place where uh, people can come to uh, fans of, of various in any description, you know, from, from the hardcore, passionate, you know, think about it like, you know, 20 hours a day or more fans uh, to those who are, have a casual interest uh, and try to encompass, you know, all aspects of uh, of the musical theater and Broadway world. So I think hopefully we're we're coming close to that goal and uh, we're we're growing in numbers. I think we're over 500, but certainly a way to go. And again, it's not about the numbers. It's about having a, a quality product and having something fun that people can share and feel comfortable in sharing. So I encourage everyone to, to check us out. It's called Ultimate Broadway. Uh, I'll uh, prove you and uh, have you come in. It's it's very easy to to join, and uh, it's a very welcoming and and fun group. We're all so passionate about the theater. Yeah. And I have, I have to tell you guys because I'm in a lot of groups, and I have to say this is the kindest group that I'm in. Wow, which oh. means so much. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know what? Isn't that, like, that even never even occurred to me. Uh, because it just doesn't. Uh, yeah. But wow, like, if that's so nice to hear, and I'm, I pride myself on that. We really do. And I want to thank you for all your contributions, uh, not only from from the, this podcast and the recommendations, but just uh, the support that you've shown. And uh, when other people post, you know, you're very positive in your uh, reactions and uh, comments on, on, on their work. So uh, well done. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so guys, check out all Ultimate Broadway, you'll find some really nice folks there and you'll have some good conversation. Right on. So, Tom, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Well, this is my pleasure. Anytime. Oh, definitely. We will have you back. (laughs) (laughs) And, guys, we'll be right back with Beyond the Boards. Hey guys, we're back with Beyond the Boards. Beyond the Boards is a segment we do every episode where we talk about our picks for Broadway adjacent activities. It could be a book signing, it could be a concert, and 
there's a few of them we have this week. So, Erin, why don't you start us off? I was able to round up one really fun event happening at the Green Room 42 in New York City. That's Reeve Carney of Hades Town will be performing on June 30th. It's a 9:30 show, and you can get your tickets and information at thegreenroom42.com. Awesome. Well, I have one for the green room, too. So one of our favorites here on It's a Theater Thing is Adam Pascal. And he's going to be debuting his new solo show called So Far. It will be, as we said, at the Green Room 42 on July 18th at 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. The show is described as an acoustic concert that will offer fans an intimate retrospective of Pascal's life and career, including such shows as Rent, Cabaret, Chicago, Memphis, Something Rotten, and Pretty Woman. So tickets are available, and you can get them at greenroom42.com, as Aaron was mentioning before. I also have another piece of New York news. Oklahoma will offer a special performance to benefit the Actors Fund of America, and that's going to be on September 22nd at 7 p.m. at Circle in the Square. And if you're not familiar with the Actors Fund, it does like a, a lot of great things. It provides support and services to professionals in the entertainment industry, and they help people with their health services, with housing services, with employment, training, and even assisted living. So it's really a great cause. Finally, just a little local news here in the D.C. area. Only Theater and Only Maryland will be kicking off its new season with a production of Cabaret. I'm super excited about this because Broadway's Alexandra Silber, who many of you know from the last Broadway revival, Fiddler on the Roof, is going to be playing Sally Bowles. And it's really cool when we have some Broadway talent performing at a regional theater. Only is really, really evolving, and it's really doing some high-quality stuff. They have a good season coming up, and I urge everyone to visit. The show runs from August 28th to October 6th, and tickets are available at onlytheater.org. So guys, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can always find It's a Theater Thing on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com, iTunes, and Spotify. And now you want to be sure to search our podcast name, It's a Theater Thing. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. You can also find us on the It's a Theater Thing Facebook page, and our Twitter handle is at theaterthing. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.